and I hold space because there are people that tell stories that that have a testimony that for them, because I like to say that somebody that the way their healing came, if it came through prayer, then I'm, I'm extremely happy for them, but they aren't somehow spiritually better than somebody that needed medication and therapy. Because I think we do this hierarchy of, oh, wow, like, cause, because people will clap and like, it's this phenomenal thing. And then we don't really clap for the person whose healing came through medication and whose continued ongoing treatment is medication and, and therapy. Hey there, I'm Amy Connell. Welcome to Graced Health, the podcast for women who want simple and grace-filled ways to take care of themselves. I'm a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach who wants you to know your eating, movement, and body don't have to be perfect. You just need to be able to do what you're called to do. One of the things I struggle with um, as being a Jesus follower is holding space for people who are hurting or going through a difficult time and also being a light or being encouraging because sometimes those things have a difficult time coexisting. As I've been paying attention to the mental health professionals, I've been learning about this concept of toxic positivity. And to be honest, I've been guilty of this, uh, probably more than I even realize. I share one story from uh, from my past in today's episode, and I'm sure there are many, many, many more. When I wanted to explore this conversation, I knew just the right person to reach out to and invite on. Clinical psychologist Dr. Patrice Berry joined the show in season 12 when we focused on transitioning out of quarantine and has discussed toxic positivity on her own podcast, Legacy Moments. So I invited her back today and we spend some time uh, defining toxic positivity, where the church is failing people in their mental health, and how to find encouragement in scripture and at the same time hold space for the difficulties or pain others or ourselves may be in. If you haven't met Dr. Patrice Berry yet, I encourage you to go back, listen to our first episode together. She is a licensed clinical psychologist and has over 15 years of clinical experience. She received her master's and doctorate in clinical psychology from Regent University, and it was there that she learned how to ethically integrate faith into treatment. She specializes in treating children, families, and adults with histories of trauma, adoption, depression, anxiety, and adjustment issues. She also creates content on TikTok, amazing content, by the way, YouTube and Instagram to help break the stigma associated with mental health, especially within communities of color. Dr. Patrice provides wonderful education for us today. Um, but just as a little note, it's not intended as personal medical or counseling advice. So be sure to enlist the help of your mental health provider if you need to take this a step further. Now, real quick, before we get into the episode, I want to thank those of you who have taken the time to leave a review on Amazon. Now, rather than me telling you about my book, Your Worthy Body, here are a few snippets of what some of some others are saying. If you haven't uh, read it yet, I highly encourage you to go grab it. One person said, I love that the book challenged me to think about my approach and these food and exercise rules, as well as providing practical advice, workouts and delicious, healthy recipes. Love the book so much. I bought one for my daughter. That makes me so happy. You know, I have such a heart for young women. Uh, another person said it was a perfect read in discovering the balance and joy of, um, loving yourself. And then someone else said, Amy has a unique way of expressing real life experiences, affecting health and spirituality, making healthy choices, whether they are weight related or spiritually supported are often hard. Your worthy body is a simple book that is easy to read and all encompassing when it comes to our health. I highly recommend it isn't too long or detailed. It's just right. So thank you to those of you who have provided those reviews. They mean so much to me and will help in getting the word out. Okay, let's bring on Dr. Patrice Berry. Dr. Patrice, welcome back to the Graced Health Podcast. Thank you for having me. 
I'm super excited to have you back. And, um, you know, we talked last time about our mental health. We, you know, you had just released your new book, Turning Crisis into Clarity. And then you, I think shortly after that, you released on your own podcast with that you do with your mom and you co-host with your mom about toxic positivity. And I feel like I should start this conversation with a story. Um, so this was many years ago. My, I, I'm in a, a group of friends um, from college and one of them um, who had like, she had like the oldest children. She had just sent her son off to college, or I'm sorry, not off to college, off to um, middle school. And so she was on our little group text thread, like kind of boohooing. And, you know, like it was, it was hard, right? You know, it's hard when your kids go through the next transition. And this was on the group text. And I responded back. And I was like, well, he'll be okay. Just think about how hard, you know, just think about how it's going to be when he goes to high school. And there was, you know, going on. And then almost right after that, a different friend called me. She goes, Amy, you have got to let people feel their feelings and you cannot gloss over it, which was such a generous thing to do from her person. I mean, like, I'm so glad that she totally called me out on that. I didn't even realize I was just trying to be positive. That was only middle school. He still had three years to go before he got to high school. And she had, um, she was just wiser than I was (laughs) in terms of understanding where we needed to let people feel their feelings. And so this toxic positivity, I want to come at this conversation with something that I recognize I have been, I have done myself. I am trying not to do it as much, but I am like raising my hand, number one, guilty of this and um, realize that it's, it's probably harmed some of my relationships more than I realized. So that's kind of where I want to want to start talking about that. But I want to back up just a little bit. And as a, um, as a psychologist, I know you know a lot of the the science behind all of this. So tell us some about the benefits of just positive thinking in general. So in general, positive thinking is a way that we can shift. So with anxiety, with depression, with different things that are going on, my thinking can shift based on how I'm feeling. And there's nothing wrong with thinking positive, but there's also nothing wrong with feeling your emotion as well. And I think we've made emotions good and bad. And we say things like, you know, be happy, despite the fact that we are all going to have periods where we're going to experience grief, where where we're going to have times where we're not feeling all chipper and and okay. And uh, Casting Crowns has a song uh, where he talks about, uh, where they they talk about uh, these plastic people in their plastic steeples that are trying to be happy all the time. But really what's under that is brokenness. And we can, in our connection, so if my friend comes to me and says, oh my gosh, I'm really struggling with this. If I say, wow, I'm sure that's really tough. We are connecting versus if I say, oh, you know, it's not that bad, then I'm kind of minimizing their pain and not on purpose. So people don't do this intentionally. I think when people are trying to be positive and they're trying to have somebody see the bright side. Now, it's different if I ask my friend, hey, are you wanting to sit in this a little longer or are you, you know, do you want to talk about another way to think. And because my friend might be like, hey, I've wallowed in this for long enough. Yeah, let's let's put this into perspective. But I think you have to connect with somebody before trying to put it into that perspective. And that is something. So you were a little vulnerable. I want to be vulnerable as well, that really it was, um, I'm a graduate of uh, Virginia Tech. Um, I graduated in 2004. And um, there was a major tragedy that happened, I believe it was 2007. And I went to church looking for comfort. And it was right at that time that when people asked me how I was feeling, I stopped answering. Mm. And most people just nodded their head and walked away like I had said I was fine (laughs) because people are so used to, hey, how are you doing? Oh, good. Okay. And then everybody goes on with their day. But I was, I was, I was grieving. I was not okay. And 
I wanted to see if people would even notice if I didn't even give them a a response. And it took something like that for me to really see, oh my gosh, like I I'm looking for a deeper connection. I'm looking for a safe space to be hurt, to to grieve and to feel because to me, I think we set we want people to kind of get over things fast, but I don't think that's for the benefit of the person. I think it's as an observer, it is hard for me to see you in pain. Oh, yes, that's so true. So one of the things that I'm struggling with in my own life is I can sense when people are not okay. And I'm struggling with how to approach that. Because what I want to say is, I want to know you're okay. But what I know is that that doesn't give them the space to not be okay. And so I've been trying to figure out like, how do I let them know I'm thinking of them? And I've kind of just shifted to something like that. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what I say, but like, it's okay if you're not okay, but I just want you to know that I care about you. But it is hard because it's, it can be uncomfortable for the person who's not experiencing the grief. But I think in that discomfort is connection. Yes. So in that discomfort, because if my friend, if if I, if I can only be around you or if we can only talk, so if the minute I'm not okay, you kind of have to distance or like, uh, it's uncomfortable, it's awkward, we don't know what to say or do. Um, I've worked with people that have survived the horrible, most, you know, a lot of really tragic things. And somebody said the best thing that anyone could have told her after the situation she went through was, I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. Like, like, like that type of honesty. Really? Yeah. For, for, wow. for her. And uh-huh. everybody isn't like that. But but for her, she wished that somebody had told her, like, in, instead of saying, oh, they're in a better place, or immediately trying to jump to everything's going to be okay, because in that moment, they really weren't okay. And I've had people come. So I'm a licensed therapist, um, and I don't market myself as a Christian therapist. So people aren't coming to necessarily talk about their faith. I assess their spiritual development, or I, I that's one of the questions that I ask if that's a source of comfort for them. And I've had people come in in pain and felt like they had to distance themselves, like they were too hurt to be in church, like they were too broken to even be around other other people. And it was extremely isolating. And I think it definitely caused more, more pain. And as we were able to work, some people decided to reconnect with their spiritual communities and then some people didn't. But I think in that, in, in that process, having, having a safe space um, and then even normalizing things like, Hey, it's okay if you need to talk to someone, but like someone that's trained We've been in a global pandemic for, we're going into our third year. And I like to normalize that this is tough. And especially for the primary caregiver within households, I have a husband, we have a four-year-old, but I'm the one that does most of the parenting stuff. And when our son's daycare closes or anything, like we both feel it, but I feel it a lot. (laughs) And, um, and And it has been hard. And it doesn't have to be either or. So it doesn't have to be. um, So there's a way to experience both emotions. So there's a way for me to feel for my friend and then also for me to be okay. I like to talk about that being um, emotional boundaries because sometimes what can happen is their emotion now bleeds over into mine and it ruins the rest of my day. And so um, as a therapist, I had to learn how to have emotional boundaries. And the closer you are with someone, the harder it is to do. That's why your therapist normally isn't your friend, (laughs) because the more you care about someone, the harder it is to have those boundaries. But what I've realized is it's not my burden to carry for them. Because then I'm trying to step into a role that I can't. So I I can't take their pain away. But I can say, if you need anything, I'm here. Do you just want to laugh? Do you want to talk? Do you just want to sit in silence? Do you just yeah. need to cry? I'm 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 here for you. Online, I heard a lot of people talking about just just giving space. I'm here with you, and I'm just gonna help hold hold this space with you. Yeah. Often people are not used to that and it can sometimes make them cry even more, but they needed to let it out. So 
as, as a therapist, I tell my clients, I would rather you cry with me in session than cry at home alone all by yourself. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And what, what um, permission that is for your clients, right, to feel all the feelings. You know, as you were talking, I'm just, I've been writing all this notes because, you know, as someone who, so for those who are like Enneagram people, I'm a nine, which means I'm a people pleaser. Like I want every, I want everyone to be okay. And of course I get a little action oriented. So what I, I love how you say, you know, I'm going to hold this space for you because to me, that's the action without doing anything. It's just saying, I'm here with you. I'm honoring with you. I'm sitting with you. And and maybe that's all, all they need. Um, you know, going back to when you were talking about emotional boundaries, one of the things that I wrote down is my experience, and maybe, maybe you can comment on this is um, some are just more apt and more able to do that. Because I think we all come in with our own different emotional attunement. And some are more, I see it in my own family. Some of my people are more attuned and they can tell like they don't, it's weird how attuned they are to me. And some of them not saying they're, they're unemotional, but they just, they don't catch up on it as well. So for, for those who are very attuned to others, how would you suggest putting those emotional boundaries up? Um, I'm going totally off the toxic positivity here, by the way, but I think it's, I want to dig into it. I mean, how do you suggest putting, putting those emotional boundaries up when it's just in our DNA to deeply care for situations and people? And that's where I would challenge, is it in my DNA or is this something from my experience? So in my experience, often there was a parent or a caregiver when a person was young that had a lot of emotions or there was something going on where a person, because of survival, they might, they had to be overly attuned to the emotions of others. Now, some people are just, they just naturally, they they pick up on, on emotions better. Um, but I also think emotional intelligence can be taught. And so even my child that's not as attuned, I want them to, to know, oh, like when somebody stops giving you eye contact, when they're, oh, they're a little bored with this conversation. So I would want, I would want everyone to have some level of emotional intelligence, but sometimes being overly attuned to the emotions of others. What I've seen is sometimes that person is not as attuned to their own. So with that Mm -hmm. people pleasing, um, and I am a recovering people pleaser, um, with, with that, because I always wanted everyone else to be okay, because that made my anxiety less. <laughs> so I was like, if everybody's okay, then I can breathe. And what I've had to learn to do is I've had to learn to breathe, even if they're not okay, that I can breathe. And and I literally take a breath. So if I'm with a friend and they're talking about a new loss, I will, I will take a breath because what, and that's my kind of physical way of not taking it on. And people have to find out how to disconnect from energy. Um, because sometimes even spiritually, like there's sometimes there are things that will try to connect, but was this something that I was supposed to connect to? And that's where I think people have to be prayerful and mindful of, am I taking this on? Which is, or am, because a support is different than me trying to make them feel better and feel like it's my job to fix it. Yes, yes, totally. Have you read, um, I'm going to ask one more question on this emotional attunement. Have you read Will Smith's new book, Will? So I saw his YouTube document. So he documented it and he he talks about like avoiding emotions and because within his family dynamic, there's a person called the mascot where they use humor to distract yeah. from emotions. Yes. Yeah. Well, he talks about that, but he also talks about in this book how he, um, his dad would come home and he learned to be able to figure out what kind of mood his dad was going to be in based off of how the keys on his belt were jingling. And he said that that he like gained a huge attunement to that. Now he also was the mascot and he also was the dancer to try and distract, but he was able, able to do that. And that, that really, he feels like that helped him be a, a 
a good actor because he was able to tap into all of that. That it's a fantastic book, by the way. I highly, especially on Audible, um, highly recommend it. Anyway, okay, all right. So talk about one thing you mentioned here that I want to go back to is you said some people feel too broken and too hurt to step into church. And I don't know if this is a fair question or not, but you know, the church is is meant for the sick, right? I mean, Jesus came to heal. And he came for the sick and the broken. What do you think is an area that we, the church, are failing people in? Because if they feel too broken and too hurt to come, then we are not doing something right on our end. And I think everyone is going to have a different doctrine. My personal belief is that mental health is a part of health. The same way I go to the dentist, the same way I go to my regular doctor, mental health is a part of health. And for some people, so when I was, when I was in graduate school, there was a woman at my church that had schizophrenia and uh, medication. She was well managed on her medication. And her mother came to me and asked, you know, did I think she, you know, she had come off her medication. What did I think she needed? And I was like, to go back on her medication. So they were trying to have faith and to believe that she could be okay without it. And there was this biological piece because I think if you respond well to medication, this isn't a spiritual issue. This is a biological issue. And I I don't know that we tap into that enough. And then also explaining the difference between pastoral counseling or a Christian counselor that's not licensed versus clinical therapy. Because I've had people go to a pastoral counselor, but they had a serious issue and not get the appropriate referral and be told things like, you're not praying hard enough. Your OCD isn't in the Bible. Someone just said that that recently. So it can't be real. And and they they really had a lot of things said to them. And from what I've seen as as somebody looking in is that sometimes I think related to mental health, people can get, people struggle to see the, the, the whole picture, the biological, the physical, the spiritual, the whole picture. And they just want to address it as a spiritual issue. And they're, they might need therapy. <laughs> they, might need, they might need medication that, that, that they might need more than, than, than what they're doing. That makes a lot of sense. And I love how you say it's a biological condition because it absolutely can be. And um, yeah, like our, our neural pathways in our brain, that's <laughs> our, all of that. And and I hold space because there are people that tell stories oh, that that have a testimony that for them because I like to say that somebody that the way their healing came if it came through prayer and then I'm I'm extremely happy for them but they aren't somehow spiritually better than somebody that needed medication and therapy because I think we do this hierarchy of oh wow. Like, cause, because people will clap and like, it's this phenomenal thing. And then we don't really clap for the person whose healing came through medication and whose continued ongoing treatment is, is, is medication and, and therapy. Um, and then also just that um, there are a lot of pastors that need their own therapy. My my pastor is open and he's like, hey, I'm in therapy because of y'all. I go to a very <laughs> large church in Alexandria, Virginia. Like it's it's very large. And he's like, y'all, y'all. He's like, I have anger problems. So I like that that vulnerability. I think when it starts at the top, people people are more likely to mm-hmm. access services and we have licensed therapists on on staff um, when I needed my own therapy I didn't go to the church because I just I wanted to I just I'm, I'm a therapist I wanted to find someone I went to a whole other state <laughs> so I'm in Virginia I drove to Maryland for, for my sessions um, but I think being able to give people that space I think that can be helpful 
I think so too. My uh, my pastor actually has been very vulnerable from the stage as well, and he's I'm in, you know I suffer from depression, I suffer from anxiety, and he shares it. And I think it just, especially as you know, a non denominational church that's really trying to reach the people who maybe don't know Jesus. Um, I feel like it's just he's just breaking down an an initial barrier that whether or not people suffer from mental health um, challenges or not, they are looking at him going, oh, he's not saying he's perfect and he needs help, just like we all need help in one way or the other. So yeah, I so respect um, any pastor who is is preaching from the stage saying, well, my therapist was helping me with this, or I go to therapy because of anxiety. So I, I, I do think that's really powerful. Now, this is the other thing that when preachers are up on preaching or preachers, preachers are on stage teaching, we are taught a lot of biblical verses that are really powerful and perfect and from God's word. And I, you know, I went through, just did a quick little search because of course I don't know like the Bible super, I mean, I know it well, but I can't ever, (laughs) I can't ever quote things, but you know, Philippians 4, 8 says, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure and lovely and admirable, which by the way, I think I did like one of my devotionals is, is on on this one. Um, Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Psalm 118, 4 says, let us rejoice and be glad. Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I mean, there, you know, be joyful always. I mean, we hear this over and over and over and i i know there is power in that and yet when does it get sticky when are we not going back to the attunement attuned to the needs of others when we are when we are when are we not creating space um for others who you know aren't there or need something different i mean talk talk to me through that i don't know that that's a good question but i think you know where i'm going with that it, it is. And I think that's where, because sometimes if I'm looking for verses on emotions or mental health in, in the Bible, uh, sometimes um, I like to look at ones that also talk about there's a time for everything. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh, that there's a time for, for everything. And then also looking at it within the context of what was this author trying to convey. Uh, sometimes you have to look back at the um, original translation, um, which ev- everybody is not going to have the, the ability to do. And so that's where I do hope that communities can continue to um, provide encouragement and support for people that 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 are struggling, because I think we could all agree that after a major tragedy or loss, it would be odd if somebody was skipping and happy and if it if if it did not impact them. Uh, what I have seen is sometimes people like I said, like get to the point where they are so hurt that they, they start to feel shame. And that some of these, some of these verses, um, I've seen that in clinical practice as well. Somebody using verses to punish themselves, like physically to, to, yeah, using it to harm themselves, which I don't believe was ever the, the intent. And, um, and so I think being able to have safe spaces and applying it within today's time, because um, there's a verse: "Be be anxious for nothing." Uh, it would be so. I was I had a little bit of anxiety before before this meet because anxiety can is a normal natural emotion, and and there's a difference between me like you know not being able to sleep all night you know because I'm so worried about this like it wasn't it, it wasn't to that level. There are other things that cause that level, and I manage it, but just being able to say that there are times that I'm going to feel because that's how I was made. And just being able to use whatever tools and resources um, are available to help. And then to focus on growth, love, and being able to encourage and connect and support each other. One of the words in this title is toxic positivity, which I've kind of been dancing around and I haven't really pulled that into the conversation. So with all of the context of what we've just talking about, how would you, how would you define toxic positivity? Toxic positivity is where everything, it's this, 
everything's perfect, you know, uh, happy times. Uh, in order to be around me, you need to like, it's, I'm blessed and not stressed. Like it's just <laughs> nothing, just joy <laughs> that this is how I always am. And I, and the part of it that's toxic is that a person may use it as a mask to cover pain. And I think that's where it becomes problematic or they're not able to tolerate the emotions of, of other people. So if I go around a friend that's grieving and they aren't like, oh, you know, I don't have time for that energy like that, that would just be be very painful to, to my friend, I think. And so it's it's giving people permission and space to be be vulnerable. Um, I'm a big Brene, Brene Brown fan. And um, there was a lot of, because I'm an African-American psychologist, there's this strong Black woman trope like this. There's this, you know, you're doing everything, you're so strong, um, but you're secretly crying and not okay inside. And Brene Brown's work and the work of some other people really helped me come out of that and let myself feel. So I think it starts because often people that are have toxic positivity with other people where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy. I'm always OK. I think that um, and I think sometimes Instagram. So that's I like TikTok. TikTok is my happy place because everything is so just positive and oh, everything is perfect. Everything is so curated. But that's that's not real. That's not yeah. that's not real life. Um, I think realizing that I can't compare my real life to your Instagram page. Mm-hmm. Because if I do, I'll be like, oh my gosh, like, and I, and I won't know, you know, the times, you know, your struggles, I won't know what's, what's really going on. And, and I think that also can, can cause people a lot of pain. Yeah, I I agree. It's funny. I have been reflecting on my own feed recently because I know the wholeness, wholeness of me. I know where I struggle. I know where I have challenges. I know when, like, as we're recording this, like, I'm tired, man. And I'm just, I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking it is, it, it's mid February as we're recording this. And how am I so burnt out already? <laughs> this, and, and I'm not putting that kind of stuff out there. So I, I recognize that I'm probably feeding to that madness as well. And yeah, Instagrams are definitely, I mean, that was what it was designed to do, right? Like it was designed to be a place to share pretty pictures and to have the filters to make your ocean pictures look even better. And then my goodness, it's gotten out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. Yeah. And and I think what cuz it, it's not that cuz if I'm in a bad space, it's not that I'm going to give completely into that. And so um I teach a skill uh DBT so dialectical behavior therapy. Uh within there there's a skill called act opposite. So if I'm feeling sad, if I'm feeling down, and I don't feel like going anywhere or doing anything, sometimes doing that thing can help me feel better. And I'm not denying that emotion, but I'm saying giving into that emotion makes me feel worse. So let me go in ahead and I don't feel like working out. I don't, most people don't, but I'm going to go in ahead. I know I feel better afterwards. And so being able to give yourself a full range of emotion doesn't mean that I fall apart in target. Like I don't recommend it if I, if you can help it. Like, so I think, so I'm, I'm not saying, you know, have, cause you, you can't be vulnerable everywhere. You can't be vulnerable with, with everyone, but within my close relationships, I want to be able to go to them and say, Hey, I'm really struggling. I just, I just needed to, to let someone know. Yeah. And for a friend to say, oh, I'm here. So don't deny your emotions, but maybe help yourself to get to, you know, hold them. And it's that both and situation. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's talk some about what is some, what are some, my grammar's losing me here, alternative language alternative words that we can speak both to ourselves or to others when we are tempted to gloss over it, to give that Instagram response to maybe, and I know this might be a little tricky, but like, you know, slap a Bible verse on it without actually being in the space that either we or our, our loved one is in. 
do you have any things that if someone's like, you know what, I'm, I'm recognizing that maybe I need to kind of change my words either to myself or to others, but I'm not, what do I say? I don't want to say the wrong thing. So what do I say? <laughs> and I think it's okay. Cause let's say I have a friend that that's really struggling. I think it's okay for me to ask them, Hey, is there anything I'm saying that's making you feel worse? Oh, like, I think- that's good. Because often I might be accidentally, like you said at the beginning, I might be saying something that's damaging the relationship and that person isn't even telling me. And so I think first asking the person if if they're in a space to share and, and not everybody will be. But I I think the first place is, hey, you know, I'm really trying to work on being more authentic. So that's that's the word that I like. Um being being more authentic, showing up as my full self, and then also giving my friends space to 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 do the same, because I think we were made to cry together and to like to just it can be so helpful when you are when something major happens, or even if I'm just like a little stressed about work, just to say, hey, you you, you just need to vent because. So I'm I'm a bad I'm a bad at trying to fix it. <laughs> so like with friends, not with <laughs> clients, but a friend is like, oh my gosh, I'm struggling with with my daughter. I immediately want to oh I because I work with kids, I have ideas, and she's just like, Patrice, I didn't I didn't need that. <laughs> I just need you to listen. Yes, thank you. And, I did that and yesterday. I, <laughs> I did that yesterday. I happened to listen. I caught the tail end of a conversation of a mom with a 13 year old girl. And she was talking about how her daughter was just really struggling with her body. And, you know, 13, I mean, what 13 year old girl is really confident in her body? Please, please show me one. And boy, I just, I could just say, I mean, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I just caught it. Well, I just wrote this book and, you know, and, and it, man, it was the wrong. It, I just feel, I wish I could go up to, back up to the mom and go, you know what? That was not my space. And I'm really sorry because that just was not my place to do that. She just wanted to be heard. And, and so sometimes taking a breath because my natural reaction when somebody is hurting is to want to fix it. But I remind myself that it's not. So I have to, I've talked, I have to remind myself, breathe and focus on what, because I think first you have to manage your, your own emotion. So if somebody shares with me something that's really sad, I feel like grief is the one that that's hardest for people. Or um, sometimes I think, I think grief is, is the one that's, that's really hard. And just being able to, give them permission, just like, um, so with, with specific statements to say, I try to avoid, I'm sorry for your loss. And that's my own personal one, because if the person hasn't shared what the loss meant to them, because let's say my friend lost someone that was in a lot of, and the person, my, my friend might be in this odd space and because I think I'm sorry for your loss. It's like, okay, I'm sorry for your loss. And now I'm kind of going to move on. I, I, I said the thing. And so that's where I, I like to say, I'm here if you need anything. Sometimes if it's somebody in my physical space, just dropping off some some food. Hey, you know, you want me to pick up? I have some extra food. You want me to drop off some, some food for you and the kids? Mm-hmm. Um, being able to just show up for people. I think I think that that can really help. But that breath, when I want to just say it'll be okay, because because I can't. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. One of the things that I p- clearly forgot yesterday was something that I've heard somewhere. But it, this is not my problem to fix. <laughs> well, I say not my monkeys, not my circus, or like it's yes that. Just, just remembering. Yeah, it's not, it's not my problem. And of course it came from me. It came from this point of passion of being super excited about um, getting this resource that I'm getting a lot of really great feedback from. And so of course I'm like, well, here, you know, this, this might help, but it just, it it was not in a point. It was, she was just, that was just not the right time. And I didn't know this girl. Like I just, anyway, I'm trying to release that. And if I ever see her, I'll say, I don't even know who she is. So we've got, let's go back to the words. So it's maybe not necessarily, I'm sorry for your, for your loss. Um, Take that deep breath. What about someone who, okay, well, here's just a, um, 
a personal example that in my season of life, you know, I've got this senior in high school, he's going to be leaving. I have a lot of friends who, you know, I don't want to say lost their kid, but like their kids launched last year. And it's what I'm understanding is I am in for just a total butt whipping in emotions. So where do we go with that? Like any kind of words of like, recognizing, you know, words that help us recognize the space that people are in. And let them know that you are there, let them know that you care. And maybe that's just simply that's what the word is. I think also sometimes not saying anything at all and just listening, sitting in silence, or like the situation that you were saying, I think being able to find some joy in the midst of it, and then also experiencing the adjusting to the transition as well. Transitions are hard. And there will be some like, there will be some, some good things. And then there will also just be um, uh, like, it's, it's normal for things to bring up some, but I don't want to be so stressed and worried that I'm not sleeping. I'm not taking care of myself. Like that's when it, it becomes a bit of a problem. I would, I, the thing I might say to a friend is I'm sure you're going to experience a lot of emotions. Mm, that's Instead really of saying good. like, Oh my gosh, like you, you, I'm, you're going to be so happy when he's, you know, you're going to be able to do all these things. Cause normally that's what, that's what we want to do. We want to focus on turning their room into a craft room or I don't know, like you want to focus on, on, on something else. Um, but I think just giving people space, like, Hey, you know, some nights you might just go in the room and you, and you might cry Yeah. or for people to share uh, just how they if the person's open to it, just like, oh yeah, when 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 my child went off, uh, I just I just I love just going and and sitting in their room. It just brought up so much. Or enjoy the senior year because they might start having some attitude. They start to think they're you know like enjoy these months because you're gonna you know want ten more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny as we're talking about this, one of the stories from the Bible that kind of comes back to me is um, before Job's friends told him to curse God and die, they sat with him, <laughs> you know, and they just they just sat with them and didn't really offer a lot and sat in silence. And I think that that's, for me, sometimes a really good reminder that I don't have to have all the words because I am a fixer. I do want to, I want to fix things. I want to make people feel good because I'm that... I have that people pleasing tendency. And then I think too, the other thing that as I have learned more about the Bible is that, you know, yeah, we have all of these Psalms of praise. We also have Psalms of mourning and Psalms of grief. And, you know, David, King David wrote a lot of those. And, you know, just remembering that it's not all positive, positive, positive in the Bible that he, you know, that I mean, Jesus, I think you and I were talking beforehand, you know, like Jesus wept. And so I think that those are good things to remember as well is that we do see the the full gamut of emotions. And while positive thinking is important, it's not the only answer is also what I'm hearing you say. Because I think sometimes people can go into shame where if I can't think positive all the time, then they sink deeper into a depression or they Mm. sink deeper into whatever emotion they're feeling when nobody's happy all the time. Nobody, you know, is always because life, life happens. And so just letting ourselves be and giving people permission to, to do the same. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And I know that you talk some about this in your book, Turning Crisis into Clarity. Can you tell us some, uh, just tell everybody, give a a bird's eye view of that book, because um, I think it's, I just think it's great. Thank you so much. And I just launched the audiobook. So I'm really excited that people can have multiple ways to, to enjoy it, but it is how to survive or thrive in the midst of uncertainty. I think we want to always know exactly what's next. We want to plan. We want to, we want life to be certain. I want to know for sure that when my child goes off to college, that they're not going to have any stress or, but like, no, my child is going to have some stress. They're going to learn. They're going to have these growth opportunities. And so something that I talk about in there is 
having a growth mindset versus a rigid mindset. And a rigid mindset gets stuck <laughs> and things have to be my way. And if, if I can't go to this and do this one thing exactly the way I want it to, then my day is ruined or the world is over. John Maxwell actually has a book that that's called, um, that talks about when it's not, it's not win or lose. It's like, it's like win or learn or something. It's uh, yes. Yes. And, um, and within the book, I also just share some resources about parenting. Um, some people, um, I have a a section on adoption, uh, for veterans, just all of these special populations that are near and dear to, to my heart, because I think, um, where things are, things are, things are going, to be hard. And I think as a Christian, and I I don't think we said this just yet, I think people often think that they're promised a good life, a life of happiness and that everything is going to, that bad things aren't going to happen. Unfortunately, that's, we we all go through things. Uh, And I think sometimes we just have to sit with okay, the promise wasn't that I would never go through bad things. It was that I'll never be alone, that that was the promise. And so being able to to come back and have a, um, and the book just has a lot of tools. I am big, people call it a resource and not really a book and people can skip around. So the chapters work well on their own or a lot of people talk about reading it straight through. Even though I'm a licensed psychologist, um, I have a stutter that people will hear some Sometimes I uh, writing, so I wrote it on a very, it's not on a clinical level. Therapists have given me good feedback about it. And then also um, everyday people have talked about what they've, what they've really gained from, from the book as well. Yeah, that's great. That's great. It's funny. I was just speaking at my um, middle school career day and was telling them that if, and I was talking about entrepreneurship and I was telling them, I was like, look, if you are interested in you know, doing, you know, being an entrepreneur, I was like, I know this is going to sound like such an old person and lame thing to say. I was like, read books. And so this book that I just wrote is 17 years of, as a fitness professional. And what I'm hearing you say is like, this is all the information that I have had downloaded into one book. And I think that that is uh, so overlooked by our young people sometimes, <laughs> and how important that is. So turning crisis into clarity, by the way, we will link in the show notes, everybody go grab that. And I will go find that John Maxwell book. uh, Because I know that my community really likes resources as well. But please go get that turning crisis into clarity because uh, Dr. Dr. Patrice just really offers such wonderful wisdom and follow you on TikTok and Instagram too, by the way, because you and you we didn't you know, you you mentioned this earlier, I too, I really admire all you're doing with um, with normalizing mental health with the African American community. I know that that is, I I don't know because I haven't lived it, but my understanding is that is a big challenge. That's an extra challenge. And as the world in general is trying to take better care of their mental health, that that is one additional barrier for people of color. So um, I, I honor that and I admire that. Um, okay. So questions I ask all my guests, number one, and you and I were talking before I came on, I don't remember what our answer was last time, but I'm fascinated by tattoos. I don't have any, but I have found that when people choose to put something on their body for the rest of their lives, they often will have a story behind it. So I was wondering if you have a tattoo, um, if you wouldn't mind sharing what it is and the meaning behind it. And if you don't have one, if you had to get one, what would it be and where would it go? I do not have a tattoo. If I did get one, I would probably get a tree. Uh, I'm really into legacy and living a legacy now. And so a tree with with some roots. Um, and I'd probably put it on my on on my arm. Like forearm, wrist, shoulder. I think maybe so I, th- I think forearm. Forearm. Okay. I love that. Well, that's interesting to hear you say about legacy. So that's where the name of your podcast, Legacy Moments, came from. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Okay. And then do you have a meaningful Bible verse you would like to share? So because I already have it pulled up, uh, I like Ecclesiastes 3, 4 through 6, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and then it continues. I really I really like yeah. that one, that there's just a time for everything under the sun. 
Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. All the emotions are all okay. (laughs) I love that. All right. Tell people how they can connect with you. I am at Dr. Patrice Berry across platforms. I create content on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, a little bit on Twitter, but yes. You are a busy, busy woman. And then your podcast too, Legacy Moments with your mom. Yes. um, It's available on Spotify, Anchor, um, wherever your favorite streaming platforms are. Awesome. Yes. And I do. I do love that podcast. I love how I just love the interaction that you and your mom have. And she just seems like such a special woman with her own legacy and her own um, her own story. So thank you for sharing her and all of your wisdom with all of us. So thank you for coming on. And I just really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. I am definitely going to be taking some of those tactics and applying them in my own relationships and just being aware of appropriate times to say things and appropriate times to just be silent and maybe even take a breath. I always learned so much from Dr. Patrice and thank you to her for her time, her wisdom, and just, uh, just meeting me there in the space to learn in an area that is definitely historically a challenge for me. Make sure you grab her book, Turning Crisis into Clarity on Amazon and uh, connect with her over at Instagram or TikTok if you're on there because she really does have some great content. Hey, if you found value in today's show, here are three simple things that would be super valuable to me. Number one, rate and review this podcast. I know that can be kind of confusing, That's why I have a link that you can just click on it and go because especially on Apple, it can get a little muddy on how to provide a re particularly a review. Number two, sign up to receive my free monthly journals. This is a subscriber only space for me to share things I love. And I think you will too. I get to be uh, snarky, sassy, serious, and all of the other things. And I share pictures and experiences I don't want to put on the internet, but I want to share with you. Finally, uh, purchase a copy of my book and leave a review. If you don't mind, this is not a diet book. This is a cross cultural grace filled look at how to change our mindset about our body, eating and movement all through a lens of faith. With each episode, I try to leave you with one simple thing to remember because we often cover a lot of ground. And that one for today is You know, it's hard, but we can absolutely hold pain and encouragement in the same space. We just need to be attuned to what the person, even if that person is ourself, um, what that person needs and honor that before any words come out. And when in doubt, take a breath before responding and allow God to guide your words. Okay, that is all for today. Go out there and have a great day.